Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Andy Lou, how you doing, man? Let's roll. What are we doing? September 14th. We're getting closer and closer. Less than three weeks to camp starting. NFL season started. We're we're getting there. Getting I, I uh I saw I saw uh, JTA and Ken Bazemore working out at a at the Warriors <laughs> facility or something like that. So yes, we are getting closer to something. Something. Oh, did you see that? It's uh, I'll, I'll pull up the image, but they have their names on the lockers, which clearly means. They're gonna be on the team next year, right? Yeah. Did they never put those take those names off? Is that what happened? They just they just like <laughs> they just kept those names there because they're such great warriors, warrior forever warriors. Yeah. It would be the like this is how you know they're getting into like late stage dynasty where they're just uh, yeah we know that guy bring him back. <laughs> I mean Brandon Crawford is still on my team, you know, stinking it up. So after all these years, twenty twenty three. You know, so what do we got here? Yeah, yeah. People, people who are listening audio can't see, but we, we've got a picture of the Warriors locker room with their names on. Kent, Be- literally Kent Bazemore, right there, right Juan there. Next Toscano to Anderson, right in between. Yeah, Pajemski, Steph, yeah. Wiggs. Yeah. Uh, I hate to burst anyone's bubble who thinks this means they're officially Warriors, but Travion Williams had his name up on one in camp last year too. So Travion Williams, wow, a Warriors great trade. That that is uh that is the new that is Trace Jackson Davis is the new Travion Williams. I can't wait. I, I can't. God, wait. remember when Travion just was dropping dimes in a summer league game? I go into the Light Years Discord. People are like lying about it was Jokic light. I'm just like, like, come on, guys. We got it's another one. Game. We got another one. I, we do. I saw, I we do. On a flight. I saw him on. By the way, I saw those guys on a flight to Vegas. Who did uh, you see on a flight to Vegas? Uh, so Moses Moody was sitting on mine, um, and then and then the G League guy or the rookie guys were were on another one because my buddies were on that one. And uh, which rookie Moody? guys? Uh, the two, the only two that the Warriors have, Ch- uh, Trace Jackson Davis and, and Pajemski. So they were on yeah. the same flight together. I felt bad, though. Moses Moody was sitting like two rows in front of me. You know what I mean? I'm flying coach, right? Uh, you know, so I'm sitting there in the back and Moses Moody is just chilling. Is there first class on Southwest? It, I mean, United, same thing. So maybe not. Okay, but I mean, he could, he could sit with some leg room. The guy's like, the kid's like 6'6", six, six, right? Or whatever he is. And I just, I don't know. I felt bad. He, could, he couldn't get the, he could get a bigger flight. That was a lottery pick. Oh, bad for him or he hasn't, hasn't signed money. hasn't signed that second contract he's trying to <laughs> trying to keep it frugal right now he's like oh, hey man God. when i uh when when joe when joey Lightyears gives me nine figures then i'll right. spring for what what jet suite x or yeah something like yeah, that jet those <laughs> private jet nobody knew him nobody on the flight said anything to moses moody so he's got a maybe after next year he'll get some notoriety but i wonder if no one knew him or if it's what most people do which is like kind of shy you yeah. know I think it's, I think it's, I think as a player, what you're probably, well, I don't know. Moses Moody probably doesn't get love. Like Steph, obviously like people will be like, Oh my God, it's Steph. But I wonder <laughs> if it's a global superstar. It's a different, level. I wonder if Moses Moody is like, I, I do want people to, you know, come up and say what's up to me because he's still, he's still a new basketball player. Maybe he likes the, 
fame, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like Wiggins probably yeah. doesn't want people to talk to him at all. It's cool when it's everyone. My, my, my assumption, I'm going to relate it to when you and I go to Chase Center. <laughs> it's cool when people do it and it's not your everyday. It would be really obnoxious if you couldn't go to the grocery store right. because people wanted to talk to you all the time. So yeah, Moses Moody's probably in that, uh, probably in that tier where you know he's every an now tier. and then someone he's will, an yeah exactly he's, 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 he's basically he's basically intern neil by the <laughs> way shout out our guy neil i don't know if want, i don't know if you want to say it but neil neil going back to school moving to new york gonna be up watching the warriors at 1 a.m and ungodly hours gonna need the east coast report from neil about just how miserable his life is trying to watch games at 11 midnight 1 a.m that sort of stuff lee that's i never i hadn't i've never done that my buddy who lived in New York for over a decade was in mm-hmm. med school, said he missed like 80% of the Warriors games. He's super happy now. He gets to watch all the Giants. Although I don't know if you're happy about watching the Giants, but he gets to in watch theory. all the all the Giants and Warriors <laughs> games now for the first time since since we've yeah. been in college together. So, well, congrats, Neil. You're a lot smarter than I am. Uh, uh, go crush it. It's just hard, man. It's just hard. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, you say you want to stay up and then it's Tuesday, November 23rd. And the Orlando Magic are rolling into Oracle. You're like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna go to bed. Yeah, it's too much. Although Orlando Magic, we'll talk about. Oh that yeah, in a couple you like you like that yeah, segue? Uh, very nice. The Orlando Magic might not be that unwatchable this year. Okay. Dun dun dun. So, our our guy, our friend Adam Mares over at DNVR, threw up uh, this topic on his show. I want to say today. Mm. He's talking about his went full hipster with his side piece teams for 2023-24. I feel like this is just your league pass rankings sure. is basically what you're getting at. Sure. His list was number five, the Brooklyn Nets, four, the Pacers, three, the Magic, two, the Timberwolves, one, the Thunder. Yeah, this is essentially the new league pass rankings. I, I don't know. When, when I say what's your favorite league pass team, what do you think of? I think of teams exactly like this, right? You and I are going to both have league pass, right? We're going to watch other games because we have nothing else to do. Um, I don't yeah, go but out. It's like, I feel like a league pass team, like the, the defining thing is like, they're not going to be on TNT every Thursday. They're, they got to be, Warriors, it, it's not the Lakers. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's not the Knicks. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, even the, even the, even the, well, they are, they are a lot, yeah. but we Nuggets, also wouldn't want yeah, to watch Nuggets them. Are, yeah. yeah. It's, it's basically, they're not uh contendery enough to get on a, uh, TNT and ESPN all the time, but they're worth watching. So, I mean, there's a picture of Franz Wagner. He is the epitome of a side piece league pass team. I mean, they just won the the FIBA World Cup, but uh, like it, that's the guy that I think most hipster NBA fans, hardcore NBA fans, will probably want Franz Wagner. Watch Franz Wagner more than like Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, I mean, I, I bet you they would. And then, I mean, this is my this is my wheelhouse. Hipster yeah. teams. This is honestly. At, at certain points in the season, I'm more into watching the hipster teams than I am into watching the Warriors. Like, I don't need to watch Draymond and Clay and Steph half-ass it because they're 500 years old. When I could turn on the Oklahoma City Thunder, who play every game like it matters because they don't have room for error. So, Certainly. I yep. feel like that's the that's the general idea. So, so why don't we why don't we talk through it real quick? Who are your 
league pass teams like who are your who are the teams you're gonna be when the warriors aren't playing you'll be watching them on league pass so he's right i mean i've got the i'm gonna go quickly through these because we're not gonna do these one by one but i've got the thunder as my one i've said that a few times already mm-hmm. orlando magic i'm with you on the franz wagner stuff i'm with him there pacers he threw that out there terry's halliburton benedict Matherin. like that's fun i don't know how fun they'll be so like they're my third one um and then Playing? the next, yeah, yeah i i just competing I for it yeah they don't have enough guys, though, like outside mm-hmm. of Halliburton. That makes me super, super locked in. So that's why they're kind of in my second tier of league pass. Mm-hmm. And then I got the Magic. I'm with him. Bancaro, Franz. The ones that I, the one that I differ, though, saying that I'm really locked into this season is is obviously the Spurs with Wemby. But I, this, the Cavs are up there. So so for me, Evan Mobley is is someone that I want to watch this season. It's, it's, year, it's a year where he has to take a leap. I was not that impressed with him, especially in the postseason. Have some self-respect. Absolutely no, no Cleveland. I know, and I don't I care. Don't. I don't care if they have the monsters. Dude, just, you look no. disgusted. You look absolutely <laughs> disgusted. But I just, if the guy is going to take the leap to be a superstar, that's the guy. I already love Darius Garland. You know that. Donnie Mitchell's fine, but Evan Mobley's the guy that can he become a superstar big? Is he the next superstar big? There's a chance for him to be better than Jaron Jackson Jr., who I also love. But I think Jaron Jackson's kind of at I, that point where it's like, is he plateauing? Because is he just not ever going to be able to stay on the floor? Evan Mobley might end up being better than him, probably will end up being better than him. And this is the season to do it, I think. I'll be watching a lot of Cavs games. It's disgusting. Uh, I can't watch the Cavs. I can't endorse it. Their backcourt is basically just Damon CJ. Darius Garland, wildly yeah. overrated by hipsters. Whoa! In the playoffs, you saw exactly how good he is. He's just a midget who gets picked on. Donovan Mitchell has been overrated for years. Cool. He scores close to 30. He'll never win anything of substance. I'm I, I'm out on them. Evan Mobley is talented, and I I don't really understand why he wasn't on Team USA. Uh, he hits the sweet spot of young guy up and coming. I would have thought he'd be there over like Walker Kessler or Bobby Portis. Maybe there are some politics involved there. Who knows? But uh, I do agree with you. He, I would not be surprised if he's better than Jaron Jackson in like as close as two to three years. Right. Like doesn't even be that far out Um, to the league pass team. So we have agreement on the thunder, the magic and the Pacers. Those three, I agree with the other ones I want to call out. Uh, I'm going to throw the Sacramento Kings on there. Do they still count? I know they're a playoff team. I know they got some national games, but it's not like they're going to be on ESPN 20 times. I think they're mostly an NBA TV team. I still think outside of the Warriors, they're probably going to be the best watch of the Pacific time zone. So there'll be a lot of like, it's nine at night. The Kings are playing and uh, the Blazers are playing and easy choice. Which of the two teams I'm going to watch, right? Um, it's 126 to 120 end of the third mm-hmm. quarter. You know, that's yeah. the Kings. It's fun. I might go wild card here and say the Houston Rockets, dude. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, all, all right. right. Give it to so, me. Give me the argument. So, so obviously KPJ is gone from the NBA for eternity. Yes. So that alone, just if we're talking basketball makes them more watchable. I like it. Okay. I like this. I like Fred this. Van Vliet. Dylan Brooks, I think, will make them a little more watchable. I think Ime Udoka. I'm just – here's my thing with the Spurs. They're going to be load-managing Wemby, and I'm not convinced they're going to be as watchable as you think they are. I think it's going to be a lot of BS where Wemby plays 51 games 
and they're essentially tanking for a second year to try to get a second guy with him. Whereas I know Houston wants to make progress and I kind of like some of their younger guys. So I'm intrigued by it. I just think Ime Udoka is the type of coach who gets his team to play really, really hard. They got a couple veterans, whatever you think of Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks, they play some facsimile of winning basketball. They defend, they give a shit in ways that that team didn't last year. Amen Thompson is a very one might be the most exciting rookie. I might say he's going to be the most exciting rookie this year because I just think Wemby, they're going to load manage him and it's going to be, it's going to be kind of disappointing. And then I think Jalen Green will probably take it. He either takes a step or he gets traded. Uh, Shangun, you know, you know, that's my guy from the hipster uh, yep. standpoint. So yep. I'm I'm buying Houston being not playing good, but maybe what Orlando was last year. Where you're like, hey, sure, these guys, these guys put on a show. Every one of these games will be entertaining. I, I cannot, I cannot argue against the bulk quantity of names and things that could happen for the Houston Rockets. I cannot argue against that. The only thing I can give you is Wemby because uh, like you say, you might play 55 to 60 games. I just, I just never seen him play. That's it. That's the only argument for it. I have just never I, seen I him play. play. I will be locked in. I was watching a summer league game. Like it was the freaking Super Bowl, right? So that that's it. I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I get, I guess it's a lie. If I hear he's playing, and the game is semi-competitive, I will flip the channel to watch yeah. it. I'm just I'm just projecting I anticipate not watching a lot of Spurs because I think they're going to do their Spursy thing. Devin Vassell, you know, you know, you, you know, I love me some Devin Vassell. You know, that's, that's our Devin. guy. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, you know, Tim's team sucks, right? Like if they had gotten Fred Van Vliet, maybe the Spurs had gotten him. We can add, we can add Vassell to the list of guys they should have took over Big Jimmy, you know? <sighs> Honestly, Probably still would have been like, yeah, we should have took Halliburton instead of him or Lamella. Yeah, but, but it's fine. What a but, but at least he's a guy you know can play on your wing for the next decade and be pretty good. Yeah, so. now you got two Moses Moody's. You know what I mean? Like it's or two Vassells, whatever. Um, it would have been fun. But um, um, the Houston Rockets, I, I think or the Mikel one thing Bridges ish than the oh, Moody. God, I, but I same, wish. but same, but same, same. God, idea. I wish. Um, the thing with the Rockets is just. I think they're going to hate each other like 20 games in. It's just, I'm looking it, it just, it's just Dylan Brooks and Jalen Green wants to average 28 points on shit efficiency, right? Shangun probably wants to be a Jokic. Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks don't, they don't make teammates better. They're more just guys. They're more just vets. Like they may be good locker room, sort of. Is Dylan Brooks a good locker room guy, but they don't make anyone better around them. Ahmed I'm, Thompson might be the best. I'm on the Dylan but... Brooks redemption tour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I think. I think the Grizzlies are a clown show and they made him the fall guy. And that's not that's to true. say he doesn't have flaws, but you're you're blaming Dylan Brooks because Jaron Jackson can't stay out of foul trouble because John ja Morant can't stop pulling guns out for no reason. Like, like what, what are we doing here? It's not Dylan Brooks' fault that like your core did not do its job. Yeah. It's it'd be like the Celtics blaming like marcus smart or the well, you know did. it's just like well, kind of did. he's gone <laughs> well they need they need to shake it up one at least theirs is like yeah let's try something different basketball wise yeah good luck but, boston good luck yeah it's it is what it is this week's light years podcast brought to you by game time sam i was in new york and i wanted to catch my first ever yankee stadium game went to it last second the app that i used to buy the tickets was Game time, because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. 
Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you will have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, all the above. The Game Time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time will actually credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Lightyears, L Y G H T Y E R S, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem code Lightyears for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We got a special guest this week. Everyone's favorite insider, Tommy Gunn. Tommy, what's up, bro? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. It's been a while. Hot start to yeah. the podcast, by the way. Sam's, <laughs> compar- Sam's comparing you guys to, to Moses Moody, talking about <laughs> side pieces. Yeah. Wow. We're locked in, man. What, was, what else are we going to talk about? You know what I mean? You, guys, I mean, you did forget one side piece team, though. Oh, one league pass. Oh, let's hear okay. The Pistons. Come on, man. I'm going to be locked <laughs> in. I'm going to be locked into Detroit Pistons games from the beginning of the season. Which reason? Give us reason. the reason. Give us the reason. One Mr. Bench, James Wiseman. Oh, bench one Mr. James Wiseman. But, but no, actually, sitting? over over under fifteen minutes a game. Um, for the season under, no way he's over by the end of the season. I think they'll. I think Monty will put up with Weaver's request for the beginning of the season, but they have too many young guys and especially young bigs that they need to get minutes to that are actually good. Like obviously Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran. They got good players up front. Yeah, I was I was gonna go the opposite. I feel like there's a chance he sneaks over 15 minutes a game at the end of the season, if you know if they're way out of it and they start resting guys like Isaiah Stewart, he might right. get some of those 30 minute just like, eh, just go go run out there, just, just go run out there. It, but isn't the real <laughs> argument Cade Cunningham though? If you were actually yes. gonna make an argument, right? Because he's, <laughs> yep. I mean, maybe you could argue he should have been on Team USA, and, and maybe he's and, a big uh, star. Almond's brother, Asar, Asar is fun. Love Duran. Ivy, um, iffy on. We'll see. We'll find out. But yeah, they they actually do have some fun players. But I was, you know, Duran's the one where I'm like, oh, I wish the Warriors could have got him. Man. Like that's that's a, that's a Warriors big right there. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, any big is a Warriors big. That's not <sighs> well, apparently not any. But anyway, <laughs> um, all right. Speaking of one who is Draymond's on his propaganda tour right now. Nice, nice little ESPN piece there. Pull up the video real quick. This was my favorite part. And I'll be straight up about it. Like, my goal this year is to help Chris Paul get his first championship. That's my goal. It's not to redeem anything about Draymond. My goal is that we can help Chris Paul get his first championship. Shades of Kobe telling Dwight Howard, let, let me teach you how to win, Dwight. Let me teach you how to win. It's just, uh, it's so perfect. It's so perfect. It's <laughs> like, you need us to get this done. You can't do it on your own. You need us. He's saying all the right things. Where are you in terms of buying it back into Draymond? Because there was a lot of things that went on last year, but undeniably, like, the punch led to a lot of locker room friction. Obviously, Jordan Poole, you could say at a certain point, you got to get over it. And in his case, he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to continue to kind of hold this over everyone's head. He ends up getting gone. All right. He's gone. You won Draymond new season. So how much you buying in? 
I was never out. <laughs> I, I was out for maybe 72 hours after the, the video surfaced, you know, from training mm -hmm. camp last year. It's just like, okay, again, we're really doing this again. But it wasn't, you know, I've, I've seen practice fights. That's obviously, it was a pretty extreme version of that. But it's sure. nothing I hadn't seen before. And, like, obviously, it's not what you want. But guys can get over that. Um, and Poole clearly didn't want to, as you said, which is fine. So he's gone. But I was never out on Draymond. Look, I'm, I'm one of the – I'd say I'm one of the preeminent Draymond fans online. Um, I, think, I think he's one of the most underrated players ever. Um, and obviously none of this, none of the Warriors dynasty happens without him. So, um, as long as he's healthy and as long as he's moving near the way he was last year, cause I think he actually had a pretty underrated season. Um, he, he, you know, helped keep them afloat. It was him and Clay really keeping them afloat while Steph was out multiple times last year. And he was last year with him off the floor. The defense was God awful. I want to say it was a bottom five defense in the league with him off the floor. And then with him on, they were right around top seven, top eight. So if he's still that same guy, you know, they're going to win a lot of games again. I, I think one thing in the quote that he mentions is that he doesn't feel like he has to redeem himself, which I think is, is they're screwed if that's true. Cause he he's the leader of the team. I agree with everything you're saying on the court, but if he's not going to be a leader off the court on this team with Chris Paul, it's just not going to work. And if, if he's just going to keep up being the, the Draymond of the last few years, I, We'll see. I'm, I'm the pessimistic one right now because I just I don't believe that Draymond is a great leader at this point in his career, and I don't think it's going to fit with Chris Paul. But, you know, I just that quote is hilarious. I mean, part of it's funny, but part of it's like, Draymond, you do got to redeem yourself. It's like, dude, I will. I'll, I'll make the I'll make the optimist take. Yeah. They built a roster that matches Steph, Clay and Draymond's personality more. So what I'm what I'm getting at is it's not as young as it was last year. How many times did Dunleavy like say, you could say we were maybe too young last year. It's like, no shit, Mike, you know, but you bring in vets like, like GP two awesome locker room guy, Dario Saric fits right into what they're doing. He knows how to play basketball by all accounts. Great locker room guy. You know, you got guys like Baysmore and Juan working out with them. I do think one of those final roster spots will end up going to a, uh, Let's just say like a locker room guy in that capacity. Corey Joseph, veteran. And then the the rookies they brought in, like we'll see if they can make an impact or not. But they both kind of are more of the Moses Moody personality type than the uh, uh, Jonathan Kuminga, like Jordan Poole, I want to be the man type of veteran or sorry, rookie. Uh, so a lot of this stuff kind of points to, you know, if you're putting him on a team with more veterans, maybe he's less likely to eventually freak out. Cause like you could say what you want about Draymond, but that guy's too competitive and he just loses his patience with guys who aren't on his level competitive wise. And that's usually when the bad stuff happens yeah. when he loses his mind and, and that sort of thing. And so the one guy I did not mention is the one guy he was talking about, Chris Paul. And I feel like the, Biggest question for me this season, and this is our Warriors question of the episode. Will Draymond make it coexist with CP3? Because that's the relationship. I, I can see that going either way. It either works perfectly and they sprint out of the gates and Warriors are back and they get under everyone's skin and we all know how that plays out. Or, you know, I don't think he'll punch Chris Paul, or if he does punch Chris Paul, I don't think Chris Paul will lay down like Jordan Poole did, but I could see that relationship not working and it being kind of crappy to watch all year. 
I mean, it make or breaks the season, right? That relationship right there. That dynamic is going to make or break the season. I think, I think, and this is me being an optimist, I think they can be mature, mature enough to make it work. Could be wrong because I can easily see it going the other direction. But I think CP wants to win a championship bad enough, and he probably knows this is quite possibly his last realistic chance at doing so, unless he's just going to go play somewhere on a veteran minimum, the Lakers, which is possible, I guess. But I I think they both want this to work bad enough that it will. But also, I think the start of the season is so important, just like it was two years ago. Right, Sam, you're pointing to bringing in more veteran guys to help with the leadership stuff. That's what they did two years ago. You know, so all that leadership, um, all the responsibility of that isn't on just the core three. That was part of the issue last year. They had to both lead and take everything on the floor as well. They're not going to have to do that this year. So you take some of that leadership load off of Draymond off the floor. He can more focus on playing. Um, and if you get off to a good start, I, I think they'll be top three seed, very, very similar to 20. 20- 2021, 2022. Yeah. I'll also throw into this the Chris Paul malcontent, you know, kind of ruining the locker room thing. It's always like year two, year three. Every team he goes to is always good year one. There's the buy in. And then, you know, Chris wants to run the show his own way. And, you know, James Harden rolls his eyes. Blake Griffin rolls his eyes. uh, You know, Whoever it may be, it ends up, you know, even in Phoenix, you saw it at the end of the day, guys like Devin Booker and Kevin Durant preferred to not play with him. So I'm optimistic on the year one bump and worry about if you want to bring him back next year, next summer. Yeah, Giannis is going to be there. I look, man. <laughs> I I think there's only two. There's only two two things that can happen in my mind. I, I think they're either going to be uh, this team is going to be a championship team. We'll know it in ten games because they're they're just perfect for each other and they're just fighting. They're just fire, right? It's just fire. Everybody loves it. They're all locked in. They're winning games, or they are so fucked and they got to trade and they just they just got to trade Chris Paul within fifteen. You just know right off the bat. It's nope. This isn't going to work. He's done. Russell Westbrook type. He's got to be out of here or we're not going to even make the playoffs. I think those are the only – there is going to be no – they win 45 games like last year and they're kind of like, you know, maybe maybe we're good enough to win, but we're probably not good enough to win. And Chris Paul is just kind of sitting here kind of awkward, kind of like Jordan Poole. What if we try Moses Moody at center? Maybe that will unlock everything. Exactly. (laughs) He's a new Josh Hart. What the fuck are we doing here? Like I don't think that's going to happen, right? He's, He's gone. They've got to get rid of his ass. And and honestly, I, I would probably blame Draymond for that because um, he deserves it. Um, he's done enough damage. <laughs> um, so I, I think it would be – I think that would be the reason. Or, or they're just – dude, they're just perfect for each other because they're both assholes and they both got fiery tempers. And, and I would love that to happen. But I think it's only two options, man. I don't think we're getting the middle. The one thing we haven't really discussed all offseason is their basketball fit. In my opinion, it's going to be super dependent on who the three players around them are on the court because Draymond, like the most underrated thing he does on offense is he gets you in transition incredibly fast. Chris Ball wants to walk the ball up the court, right? Draymond wants to keep the ball moving because he really has no half court offensive game. Like he's not, he doesn't have, you know, a post move. He's not a jump shooter. Like what's he really doing in that sort of situation? Chris Paul, opposite. I want to get in the pick and roll, operate out of the mid-range, have guys cutting off of me. I still think it can work, but it requires everyone else around them to be 
an elite shooter, which they have enough of, or like cutting aggressively. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a dicey fit. I kind of always assume part of the reason to him coming off the bench is minimize the amount of time they're on the floor together. But how do you see it fitting? I mean, realistically, I don't, I don't think you want them on the floor a ton together. Um, mm. Just, be, just because CP f- prefers a role man who can finish, you know, this roster mm. doesn't have a ton of that, but at least with Dario, he's a pick and pop threat. And he, if, you know, if a guy closes out badly, he can attack it and get to the rim and make some plays. If it's Draymond, you're really just dependent on kind of the, the guard getting doubled, whether it's Steph coming off a pick and roll or Draymond setting a down screen for clay, they dump it to Dre and now he's playing four on three. You're not going to get a ton of those scenarios with CP. You're going to see more bigs and drop coverage. Um, so can they work together? Of course. They're both so smart that I think they can make it work. Um, and I do think something that is underrated about CP, yes, he does want to walk the ball up, but he is a very good kick-ahead passer when he wants to be, when that's part right. of what his team is trying to do. So he'll advance the ball. He doesn't need to like dribble it up because he's so smart. He's such a good passer. Um, he will advance the ball off the floor, but at the end of the day, he wants to play towards the end of the shot clock. He wants to milk the possession for what it's worth a lot like LeBron does now. You know, they want to milk the possession down to six, seven and, seconds and find the perfect shot. So it, it's definitely different. And that's kind of the Warriors like glass half full. They're like, we didn't have this, uh, th- this, you know, curveball to throw at teams last year. So like we'll play our style and when it doesn't work, we'll let Chris Paul slow it down a little bit. Uh, sounds always sounds easier uh, in theory than in actuality because it requires him to not play to his first instinct off the bat. If I have to watch Chris Paul pound the rock in a close game with Steph standing in the corner, I'll lose it. I will lose it. <laughs> and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. They'll be too small because they got like four guards out there and he'll be just pounding it thinking he's New Orleans Pelicans Chris Paul out here just trying to shoot that little step back mid range. and. Uh, and then when it works, I'll be so happy. I'll come on this show. I'll be like, yo, they've got their, you know, they got their guy. And uh, yeah, it's just completely different brands. I think Steph wants that, though. That's the thing. I think that's the most important thing. I actually think Steph wants that outside of just Draymond and Chris Paul. Yeah. I actually think Steph wants to stand in that corner sometimes and just go like, look, man, I don't want to run pick and roll again and again. And I don't want to play off ball and have Jordan Poole not pass the ball and turn it over. Like, I just don't want that anymore i'd rather have chris paul out there like i'm sure clay same thing like clay's a terrible ball handler like i don't want him you know doing his weird you know kind of pretty he's pretty transparent about them needing a second guy who can create a shot and clay for all he does that's not his game uh dream definitely not his game and you know when it was kevin durant you're unbeatable when it was jordan pool it it really depended which version of pool you got but when he was good they won a title it wasn't i mean he was it gets underrated even in the Boston series where his minutes got limited. There were some really crucial stretches where he held the offense afloat. And that's really all you need. Cause if your offense is 48 minutes of Steph pick and roll, like, yeah, dude, he's 35. He'll be 36. Like his legs probably won't allow him to do that. So just letting someone else run some offense, like to your point, Andy, and let him go stand in the corner for a couple of minutes. That's what helps you close a game out. Yeah. Yeah. So along the same lines, what do you think the the best kind of bench unit around CP looks Ooh. like? I'd assume I'd assume Dario's out there, right? And then you kind of build Kuminga. around that. Yeah, I of think... course. And then is there enough secondary scoring kind of outside Steph and Clay? Um, I guess in bench units and just in general with this team, are we depending on Moody and Kaminga taking a scoring leap? Because I think that's what it has to come down to, right? I think so. One of Wiggins or 
Clay needs to run with the second unit. Probably Clay. Probably Clay gets pulled out early, and you put in either GP2 or Moses Moody with, with Steph and majority starters. And my ideal second unit would be CP, Clay, Moody, Kuminga, and Dario. You have enough length and versatility on the wing. You certainly have enough shooting. With Clay, you have someone who's comfortable being the first option of a second unit. And then Kuminga is your de facto role man. In some ways, you might be running the pick and roll with Dario Saric, but that's where Kuminga getting better at cutting baseline and using his athleticism can really come into play because CP3 will get him the ball if he gets to around the rim. Uh, and, and it's probably better for him because the, the high pick and roll offense is a little simpler than what the Warriors want to do with the the, the first unit, kind of with ball movement and motion. That stuff's pretty complicated for someone like Kuminga to to do at the speed that Steph claims. Yeah, I don't to. think he's ever going to figure that out. Um, Even for Moody. Player. It's complicated for Moody, too. And, and yeah. Moody's a smart player, but he still has a tough time with it when he's out there with the starters. Those, those two got to figure out defense, though. I'm less worried about it. Yeah, those two. If you're going to have those two next to, sure. to Chris Paul and 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 Clay and, and Sarge, who isn't this great, especially not a great five defender, I mean, Kaminga's got to rebound, right? Moody's got to figure out on ball, off ball defense. Like I, I love him. I think he's smart, but like he's got to figure that's asking a lot. But I mean, you're in year three. I mean, you got to figure it out at some point, or you, you don't, and you get and you're you're traded by along with Chris Paul in the trade deadline. Like probably put in a, figure it out. Probably put in a lot on uh, Chris Paul to like be the vocal leader of the second unit too. But maybe that's a way. That makes him feel appreciated. You know, you you get you get fits on the broadcast talking up, uh, just you know, oh, Chris Paul carrying the load here, just the ultimate leader. So happy to have like you know how targeted they're going to be to try to make him feel like he's important because he's going to have to sacrifice ego. So how disgusting is that six man of the year campaign going to be if they get off to like oh. an eight and two start? It's just going to be it's going to be all time propaganda. It's going to be fits at his best. I know I know we had Kevin Durant, but we never <laughs> had a player like this, you know, like that sort of stuff. That's what's you know, Bob is meant for this. It's going to be all I'm curious to see how they word it cuz the Warriors do this thing when they catch on to a phrase, everyone fucking repeats it nonstop. Like remember win now develop now I, I didn't i don't i know how many times i had to hear that and they you know then just lying about it saying what are you talking about we never said two timelines you know so yeah, lake of lake of lying about that was incredible just saying still how doing he, it. wow it's, what a special tim, tim i feel like you made that up it sounds like a media creation yeah. i was just like that was that's, <laughs> that's so good that's it. yeah and then like right now it's i mean how many different times have we heard the word optionality right just optionality it's like when just call chris paul an asset at this point, i hate you know? that word i hate it it's it's like a it's a, an attempt to sound smart when it's just a normal phrase when a normal word it's like just... yeah we get it he's an expiring contract you can yeah. move him if it doesn't work yeah. congratulations oh, it's God. not the first time that's existed in the history of the nba <laughs> is there any chance cp's here beyond this season regardless of what happens even if they win the championship because he's oh, yeah. still 30 mil the next year. You think there's a chance he opts in and he just stays one more year on that same deal? I, I think if they win the championship, they'll run it back. Whether right. they should or they shouldn't is a different question, but it's just I've yet to see them let a key guy walk after winning a title other than Otto, who was injured, but he wasn't Chris Paul. You know what I'm saying? I think they overrated how much their front six mattered relative to seven and eight. Two years or in 2002, they won a title, but like, They'll they'll try to run it back is my theory unless they win a title with Chris Paul being completely like 
you know, wearing a boot on the sideline and he's not playing, in which case it's like, how did they win? We didn't, we didn't didn't really need you. Right. You know, so that, that'd be the only, but like, if it's like the perfect scenario, you know, Chris Paul's playing and, you know, he's the reason they won game three because he got hot on the mid range, that sort of thing. They'll bring it back. My, my theory is they want to utilize his contract to keep themselves above the second apron. I think they're lying about wanting to get out of the second apron. I think the more you look at it, it's unclear how bad that punishment is for being up there. You can't, okay, you can't use the mid-level exception. You already can't use it when you're above the tax. You can't do, your your draft pick eight years out gets frozen. They don't want to trade their draft pick in eight years anyway because Steph will be 30, or, sorry, 44 or something ridiculous like that. Like most of those punishments are kind of, but why are you why are you saying they wouldn't why were you saying they want to would want to remain up there though like what to, to hold talent because yeah, it's right. hard because if they let Chris Paul go it doesn't open up a mid-level exception to him in all likelihood they're still kind of like praying for a Dario Saris to take a vet minimum well they've so, never even used a text I mean they've haven't since DeMarcus Cousins I don't like they have I mean they used it on Dante last a year. little bit it wasn't the full right it was just it just still used it uh, so they couldn't have got him if they didn't use it. They used the other portion of it on Ryan Rollins, which was hilariously dumb. But Warriors they legend. did use it. Warriors they, did use, they did use it. I mean, uh, they have a nice track record of using it poorly. <laughs> I could agree with that. Uh, they use it on Nick Young. My, yep. Yep. Yeah, another did. example using it poorly. Yeah. So, well, that one, you know, they got a championship out of it. So, you know, he did hit a couple shots in revision. He, he was bad. Yeah. He was bad. Yeah. Big shots, big shots too. Those yeah. are not did. small shots against Houston. Correct. I get, I get, yeah, okay. That worked. If, if your you, mid-level I think you count that contributes yeah. in one key playoff game, that's good enough for it's me. All that matters. And you win a title, but that's my theory. And then the opposite side of that is let's say the worst case scenario happens and everyone is washed and they know it's officially over they can get out of all this and get under the tax, let Clay walk, let CP walk and start playing for the lottery, which would be a very depressing outcome. Very depressing one. But I do think, I do think they like the option of using Chris Paul to potentially get a, a Brandon Ingram in a trade if they wanted to, you know, that's not happening anymore. That ship sailed this summer. That ship is gone after the. He's all in, by the way. He, I know Sam is all in on Brandon Ingram. I tried I, to tell I you. Just, I've just give Steve more. Just give Steve more time with him. Yeah, we'll slowly get him there. <laughs> give him time. Give Give Steve time. Oh yeah. Anyway, my point is now I'm just going to use the word optionality, and it's yeah. disgusting. But I'm I'm not convinced that if this team is playing well and they're very much legitimately a contender for next year, they're just going to let CP3 walk. They're going to use his contract to try to acquire talent because they want they have to yeah and and they're gonna lie about it publicly because how many teams are annoyed with the warriors for overspending right like that like good point so good point yeah oh i never thought they just like let him walk walk unless like you said everybody's done um i just i just meant like actually him being back you know what I mean? I think it's a very small window where he's actually back with the I mean, team. I mean, they have to win they have regardless. To, they literally have to win it all. That's yeah. I think that's the only sin. Otherwise, let's say they get to the second round and lose. They're going to see what they can do with this contract to upgrade the roster because it's the only yeah. chip you have yeah. to do such a thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. It's I mean, a partial this, guarantee next year, right? Is that what it no, is? No, zero guarantee. It's zero. Oh, okay. It's a player op- or a team option. Team option, team option. There's okay. a... Okay. I'd have to double check the date, but it's the it's 
the like 28th or something of June where it's kind of like, all right, if we can move him before that date, that other team can just waive him and get out of jail free card. And we take on whatever contract. That's like two weeks after the finals too. I mean, that's like, that's quick. That that's, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, it's a valuable trade piece to make an uneven financial trade is basically what it comes down to. Right. So draft night thing. It is a draft night thing. Exactly. It's, I mean, that's, that's what the, uh, Wizards and um, the Beal trade was right. They're like, all right, we're going to take Chris Paul. We're going to waive him and save money. And that's good enough for Bradley Beal. Instead, they they were able to flip him and get a young player, which is probably what they wanted to do anyway. So this week's light years podcast is brought to you by NBA 2K mobile. Sam, we got a new sponsor. This is my favorite one. Look, I'm a big play games guy. And NBA 2K Mobile just came out with a game that you can play right on your phone, dude. This is as convenient as it gets. You remember those unforgo NBA moments? Get ready to create your own epic plays with NBA 2K Mobile. It is the must-play mobile game for basketball lovers who want to conquer the court online. You can download the NBA 2K Mobile free and start customizing your My Player and Dream Team today. There's always something new to explore. Embrace the summer vibes with intense matches on the beach cruise court. Dive in attorney mode, events, and regular updates for nonstop action. You can also unlock and collect tons of player cards to enhance your team's performance. I just unlocked a Jason Tatum card. I don't know what that means about me. That that was the card that I unlocked, but that's my guy. Future warrior Jason Tatum. <laughs> that is my guy. You can step your game up on the court. You can showcase your skills, climb the leaderboard, become a basketball legend. You can play with the virtual joystick or relax with auto mode. Again. Best of all, it's free to play on mobile. So download the NBA 2K mobile free on the App Store, Google Play. Use my promo code TATUM2KMOBILE to redeem an exclusive Jason Tatum Pearl tier card. That's code T-A-T-U-M-2-K-M-O-B-I-L-E. NBA 2K mobile. Do we want to talk about this real quick? I feel like we buried the topic we wanted to get to. Let's do a couple minutes here. My one thing with Draymond, whether he redeems himself this year or it's over, I'm not into rewriting history on who he is as a defender. And that seems to be a popular narrative online. Not that important. Like he's one of the five greatest defenders of all time. I don't really think it's disputable. You can tell me Rodman was better or Bill Russell was better. Fine. But you're not going to tell me he's not at the table of the best like five or so defenders of all time. And so it just got me thinking, like, obviously, neither of us will say Bill Russell. We weren't alive in the 60s, that sort of thing. But, like, who are the best defenders outside of Draymond, in your opinion, that you've seen with your own eyes? Whew. All right, I, I can I can go first. Why don't you go first, Andy? Yeah, yeah I'll go first. A couple criteria for me. Obviously, I have to have fucking watched them. Uh, moments in the postseason. Have they had things that you remember in the postseason? Uh, probably the NBA Finals. It probably should be. Um, and then can they elevate a defense? Are they versatile enough to elevate a defense, right? Like, you can't just be an on-ball guy. Like, my big gripe with Anthony Edwards is like, everybody's like, oh, he's a great defender. It's like, dude, have you watched him play off-ball defense? He's freaking terrible. Um, all right, guys to me. Draymond Green, obviously, number one for me. Um, then I'm going to go quickly down the list. Kawhi Leonard, easy one. Watch him guard LeBron. Like, QG. He's obviously not very good anymore, but Kawhi's up there for me. Uh, Tim Duncan is my favorite big of all time. I-, I learned to love him, even though I hated him when I was a kid. Uh, just anchored in defense for like two decades. Dwight Howard, underrated. Carried a team to the NBA Finals, dude. People make fun of him. 
guys playing in Taiwan, best defender I saw growing up, like the most fun guy that I watched playing defense just because he was so like cartoonishly big. That Orlando team like kind of was like a modern NBA team, but but uh, they were back in time 10, 15 years ago. And then I'll throw Ben Wallace in there. I was a little bit younger, but those Pistons teams, like I hated them. Now, as I grow up, I'm like, oh, they were just really led by that defense, which was then led by Ben Wallace. So, like, those are my guys. I kept guards and wings off the list just because I always feel like the bigs, when you're great, are going to affect games more. Like, a guy I think about is, like, LeBron. I would probably throw in there as, like, another guy. But, like, these guys just led a defense regular season and postseason always. Isn't even the case for LeBron. The best version of LeBron defensively was playing the Draymond role. Yep. 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 So in Miami, yep. Tiago yeah. splitter block, right? Like that. That's like, that's like him. That's the moment, right? But those are my guys. Yeah. Um, Tommy. Yeah. Sure. I I think Draymond's definitely. If I'm gonna kind of rank him, Draymond's definitely. And I wouldn't say definitely, but he's my favorite to watch just because of the versatility, um, and just the way he directs the defense. And he's almost like he's almost omniscient with the places that he'll just appear on the floor. He sees plays so far before they happen. Uh, he shuts off problems before they can even exist just because of the way he reads an offense and the way he reads offensive players. Um, Duncan's a great shout, Andy. Uh, I think he has the most defense, all defensive teams of all time. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure. I think he has 15. I'm pretty sure that's the record. He ne- he doesn't have a def- defensive player of the year, which is crazy because the Spurs were, I want to say, a top five defense like, for every single year of his prime um, and kind of similar to Draymond and like not a crazy shot blocker necessarily, but like always in the right spot. And if you look at LeBron's kind of like worst finals, a lot of them came against the Spurs just because Duncan was always shutting off the rim. You know, he was always just kind of in the right spot. So LeBron didn't really see the driving lines that he likes to see. Um, and I would have liked to see kind of an older version of LeBron against peak Duncan because they never really their timelines didn't really match up. But right. still, I, I think that just that just goes to show how special Duncan was that you can shut off probably the greatest rim threat of all time um, or one of them at the very least. Um, I think Garnett obviously deserves a shout. Uh, mm-hmm. He spent he spent a ton of time kind of like whittling away in Minnesota. Um, and people like to say he was better than Duncan. I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, but obviously super special defensive player. What the 08 Celtics did uh, just in general and then obviously against the Lakers really made Kobe just yeah, ha- play basically an awful series. Probably one of his worst series of all time from an efficiency standpoint. Um, who else? Um, I think Giannis probably is i don't know if he's there yet i don't know if he's there yet but i think he's on that trajectory Giannis Um, over ad huh oh okay if i'm doing him in order ad over Giannis. i have always been i've always been ad over Giannis. he's he's super temperamental and annoying but ad at his best defensively can hold up against anyone he i mean we we just uh, we We know what the warriors yeah we know what the warriors flaws were and you know they really couldn't space the floor how they needed to in the playoffs but when ad's locked in uh it's really in the in this era, kind of post Duncan, it's him and Draymond, and I don't think Giannis is kind of like a distant third. Um, I'd say at least in terms of impact in a high level playoff game where you're shutting down basically everything that the other team wants to do. Ad's he's probably lost some quickness from his peak, but he yes. still can slide with perimeter guys well enough. And then around the rim, it's just like when he's really really locked in, you're not scoring. Like you're just My- you're just not. My other thing with AD, which is like slight, makes him slightly better than Giannis for me, because ultimately I'd take Giannis over him because he's just a more reliable all around player. But defensively, Giannis is just a little more robotic, whereas 
Anthony Davis has some of the greatest timing. Ever. He doesn't foul. Like you get annoyed watching him, but I'm like, mm, he didn't foul Steph. He, 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 he didn't foul clay. Like he, he, he got it cleanly and that type of timing. Um, the one guy I would have said you, you hit on him would have been is Kevin Garnett. I would say is probably my favorite defender outside of Draymond, like of a previous era. And I think I do rank KG better than Duncan. Um, not from a legacy standpoint, because Duncan's legacy is signed, sealed, delivered, and he deserves everything people say about him. But if you're asking me who do I think can be a more impactful defender across eras, Pete Kevin Garnett would play more today than Duncan would. They both would play, just to be clear. But Garnett is a bigger Draymond, honestly. He's Draymond with Anthony Davis's physical tools defensively. same type of fiery emotion, same insane IQ. I mean, they had him play at the top of a one, two, two zone at times, and then have him anchor a defense as a small ball five. Uh, Just he's, he's, I think he's just from a talent standpoint, special. What were you going to say? So no, let me ask you this in this hypothetical, because you got Tommy got me thinking about this with, with the Mm -hmm. AD stuff. I cannot get the, the Western conference finals out of my head when I'm thinking of AD. Now you're just talking about the greatest, greatest offensive player in the world, along with Steph, Nikola Jokic, who, which one of these guys guards Jokic the best AD Draymond, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. Like I threw Ben Wallace out there. Like which one of these guys guards Nikola Jokic the best? Because I think it's Duncan. I think it's pretty clear. Version we just watched, just to be clear. Because this is the peak version. Version. I mean, Jokic put AD through the rim four straight games. So, like, which one of the? So it's obviously not AD, unless you think that he's putting these other guys through the rim even worse. Because I think it's pretty clearly Duncan, who's smarter, stronger, um, can play outside inside. Doesn't have to guard a guard. Like, there's no Steph Curry out there. Um, I think for as much. But what do what what happens if you put the Spurs? Like hypothetically, pick your Spurs team uh, and put them against the Nuggets, and they have to guard Jokic, Murray, pick and roll because that's sure. that's my downside. Like the issue with the Nuggets is they built a team perfectly around Jokic, like because right. of his passing ability. Where it's just like I actually don't think the Lakers played bad defense on Jokic. I think they might have committed too much to him, and that's why Jamal Murray averaged what thirty five mm-hmm. a game in that series. But it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, making him work. He's hitting some ridiculous shots. It's not like he's getting that's easy how stuff. He is though. I, I think that's, he's always going to make those. I I think I just I just think that. I mean, AD had no shot even in isolation. Like you could say, even if he if he he forced him into shots, he just had no chance. Jokic was stronger. He was quicker. He was better. I, I just I I don't I, I don't know. I, but again, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm lower on KG than you guys. Um, but you guys threw out the the Lakers point about what he did in the big I just, stage. Like that's true. He played I think on guarding. Game. I think guarding Jokic is very similar to guarding Steph in the sense of it's a five man job. And I think they exposed the fact that the Lakers had half of a championship team. <laughs> like you could win a title with LeBron and AD, but you need the right perimeter pieces, and they didn't have them. You know, like who's Austin Reeves guarding? Who's D'Lo guarding? You know. Uh, can those guys hit enough shots? I'm dancing around. I'm dancing around your question because I do think Duncan might be the right answer. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't think there is a good answer. 
I really don't. I, I don't yeah. think anybody can stop Jokic, and I think that's the correct answer. I mean, if you're talking about having to guard the whole kind of system as they run it, it's probably Draymond or, or Garnett just because of the versatility, yeah, um, the switchability. Um, but, I mean, we even saw by the end of last year's first round, I guess two years ago now, what Jokic was doing to Draymond, you know? and In a shot. He yeah. Forced him, and, he forced him into the shot, and Jokic is like, all right, I'm just going to hit everything. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the sounds coming out of the broadcast during game five is Jokic was training, like, 12-foot spinning hook shots to end right. game five. Mm-hmm. I, people in that arena were terrified of what was going on. He's just that skilled. I think know? the best way to guard him is probably – you put a traditional big who knows how to actually play post defense like a loony on him. And then you have your best defender playing help defense. And it's more about like turning him into a passer is cliche or like make him a scorer is cliche, but like it is kind of true. They're, they're literally unbeatable. If Jokic is able to dissect you with his passing. He, they might still beat you with him as a scorer, but it gives you a better shot if you can take everything else away and make them turnover prone. Yeah, I mean, that's what the, the Sixers did that during the regular season. I think they put PJ on him, and they had Embiid just kind of roaming on the backside, and it gave him some issues, not any like ones that would sure. not be solvable. But um, Okay, so would, do you guys have one guy, a younger generation guy, so let's say under Ooh. 23, under 23 who you think can enter this conversation? Because I, I would go, we talked about him a little bit early. I would think it's Evan Mobley. If you say yep. Jaron Jackson Jr., I'm going to laugh because he fouls eight times right, per 48 sure. minutes. I think it's Mobley if there is one guy as of right now. I guess Wemby. Well, I there is. Wemby. I was going to say there is one guy. But, but. Gonna go gonna say, uh, I'm just, I'm such a Wemby hater. I'm such a Wemby really? hater. Really? Well, you got to give us, tell us. I just think, I think obviously he's an awesome prospect, uh, but I think the injury concerns are super, super real. Um, I think. That's the best prospect of all time stuff is super, super overwrought. Um, like we saw him. Well, he's, a, get, he's a 2K creative player. That's why. Right, right. And he, but he got like pushed around by like summer league bigs. I got pushed around by Kai Jones, who might not even be in the NBA next year with some oh of the stuff God. that he's doing yes. online. Um, and I just think like, what's his position on offense? He's not a good enough shot maker to really play the four um, unless he drastically improves his shooter, which I could see. And he's not big enough or strong enough to play the five. He's, he can't set screens. I try, I watched him set screens against summer league guards, and he was just whiffing on everything. Um, I think you're being a little too much of a hater, but I'll give oh, you another. Absolutely. I'll give you another name, Chet. Yeah, that was Chet the only one. That's the only one left. That's the only one yeah. left. I think it's those three. It's Mobley, Chet, and Wemby. All have a chance to enter that conversation, but I think especially Chet and Wemby have a chance to be very, very injury prone. So at that at that height and that skinny, it's, it's scary. It's funny because Chet's injury was freakish, you know, Uh, and there's a reason, you know, you don't play on courts like that. I'm not actually as concerned about him, but like it's undeniable. Evan Mobley has not been injured. Very durable at this stage of his career. So maybe that projects on. Those are the three, though. Those are the three guys who all have like Garnett-esque characteristics. Like Anthony Davis was supposed to be the next Garnett, and in some ways he is, you know, but it's like. You're designing the perfect defensive player. It's like, give me Draymond, but 6'11", 7 foot with wingspan, which is essentially what they were. Hey, I mean, so. there's there's another big. He was on Team USA. He was on Team USA. <laughs> Walker. Yeah, Bobby yeah. Portis? Bobby's got it. He's muted, but he's, he's got it. He's got it. Walker, uh, Walker. Yeah, Walker Kessler. You know, a lot of blocks. He is good. He is good. No way around that. Uh, we'll, we'll end it on that. Actually, I want to give one more shout out. 
Dennis Rodman. One of my more poignant childhood memories is like the 72 and Bulls and like that whole three-peat team. They were one of the most versatile defensive teams of all time with, with Pippen, Jordan, obviously both 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, wings who could guard every position, and Rodman, who is essentially Draymond on defense. And I remember watching how dominant they were and not being able to you know, understand that it's an anomaly because I'm what 13, 14 years old. And that's just what I knew, right? That's just what it's supposed to look like, but it took 20 plus years for a team to be able to build a defensive identity that mirrored that. And it made me really think about just how special having like Rodman Pippen, those type of guys is like end of the day, everyone's trying to build a team with that much defensive versatility and IQ, which requires having a bunch of wing size guys. And as we're seeing in the post Iguodala, Warriors era like it's not that easy to find that many guys who can do that sort of thing so just want to give them that shout out and Andre Godala so I mean in terms of wing defenders he's absolutely top 10 all time now that you're talking about it it's just I just want to throw him in there because that's my favorite defender that's my favorite defender of all time is Andre Godala it's I love Draymond too but but Andre is man that guy is absolute art Dude, absolute art on the perimeter. Nothing more fun. Nothing more fun than an Andre swipe down. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing like even this past season when he played eight games. Nothing would get me more fired up. And I thought they were the best. And I thought they were the best games. I, it was my. I. You know what? I hope he comes back. I hope he plays another eight games this season. Because why not? I don't know. I. I'm. I'm Miguel's uh, biggest fan. He was still like plus twenty per hundred possessions when he, he played. Was. It was crazy. It was he crazy. Was. It was he crazy. Was. Smartest was dude in the world. We're gonna end it. We're gonna end it on this. Whether he decides to bring that up, you know, he's he's not the type of guy who would do that, but you know, they're frustrated a little. <laughs> okay. I, I always think of that when I think of a swipe down now, just the camera catching him, just yelling at his hands after he swiped down LeBron to end the series. Peak. All right, we'll end it there. Tommy, appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, guys.